0: Good morning, and welcome to the sanctuary of Cornerstone Assemblies of God. I am Pastor Richard T. Wade, and I would like to say thank you for joining us today. I pray the Word of God can speak to you, and the Holy Spirit make it real to you. Now, a pre-recorded message from Cornerstone Assemblies. We won't address offense. We won't. We want everybody to be comfortable. And unholy people in the presence of a holy God is going to get uncomfortable. Myself included. This isn't some holier-than-thou self-righteous preacher standing up here. No, I'm telling you, I've grabbed hold of the throne of God, and I've seen him, and I know that I know that I know that he has called us to be something in this region, and I refuse to roll over and play dead just because it's not the popular decision. I refuse. I'm tired of being Pentecostal who ain't got no power. Tired of being spirit-filled, but don't walk in the spirit. Tired about being the church of God, but constantly depressed and full of anxiety. I'm sorry, there ain't something adding up here. He said, be anxious for nothing, but in all things rejoice. And give thanks, and give thanks, and give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Quench not the spirit of God. Ah. I'm ready to look like the church that the Bible talks about. And I'm not willing to babysit people who won't grow up. That's the reason Paul had to address that in the Word of God. It's time for some of you to get off the milk and get on some meat. You've been at this long enough. You ought to be spiritually mature. And if you ain't, it ain't that the Holy Ghost has failed you. It's because you won't take refuge. The Lord is good. I don't know about your God, but my God is good and he's great and he's greatly to be praised he's a strong power my (laughs) glory my deliverer and he knows those who take refuge in him when Noah, y'all, 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 y'all just bring it down. Bring it down. It's okay. I just, I'm, I'm here. Lord, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. You know, when Noah built the ark, it had never rained on the earth before. Y'all be seated. Be seated in the presence of the Lord. I don't know where, where, I mean, I do know where I'm going. I just don't know how I'm getting there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When Noah built the ark, it had never rained on the earth before. What? No, do you realize that? The Lord had watered the earth for a mist. There had never been a rainstorm. And in the midst of a desert, there's this crazy dude building a boat because God said so. And I ain't talking about some little Piro, a boat big enough to hold two of every animal that was on the face of the earth. And the resources needed to sustain them. Y'all may be seated. Y'all are good. And he didn't build it overnight. This is not in my message, but it goes with what the Lord is saying. He dropped it in my heart. So there you go. And he told the people to repent. The word and the warning of God went forth. And I don't know how, I mean, obviously I know that God knows all things, but I also believe that had people repented, that somehow that ark would have expanded and would have housed everybody who got on board. The problem is, they didn't. And o Noah was a nut job until that first raindrop fell. And that boat was foolish until the springs burst open. And God was not worthy to be praised until that door closed church hear me it's time for us to take refuge the word of the lord is given the spirit of god is present the door won't be open much longer you have the responsibility of taking refuge nahum 1 verse 7 the lord is good a strong tower a stronghold a protection in the days of trouble or the days of distress and he knows those who take refuge in him or who trust in him this morning i'm here to tell you it's time for us to put our big boy and our big girl undergarments on i cleaned that up i sanctified that hmm it's time church I really believe that we're on the brink of the return of Christ I just I believe that I believe the signs of the times are showing these things I believe I, I can't tell you I, nobody can somebody starts trying to tell you when it's gonna happen that's red flag number one because Jesus says it is not for nobody to know that is left unto the Father but I believe we're nearing those days I'm not going to set theology this morning as far as tribulation and pre and post and mid and All those type of things I'm not getting into that if our mid-tribulation friends are right we might be in in the beginning of the tribulation for us pre-trib people we would believe that well it ain't happened because we're still here for our post-trib friends I don't know why anybody would want to go through all that but I I, I call them friends because I, I as long as you believe Jesus is coming back I think that's the key point whether he's coming back pre mid or post I don't think that that's a doctrinal difference that sets us apart. Anyhow, but I was sitting on the lanai, you know, I call it a back porch, but in in Hawaii the light switch said lanai switch, so it was the lanai. We were sitting on the back porch, it was probably about 4, maybe 5 a.m. Allie was there, so it was closer to 5 a.m. And um, she had made us coffee and we were sipping coffee. She was reading her Bible, I was reading my Bible. And um, I'd opened up my Bible app to see what the verse of the day was. And it was Nahum 1-7. And I made the comment to her. I said, well, here's a Bible verse that's not quoted all the time. And I quoted it to her. And she says, yeah, I think I only read that during my chronological read that I do once a year. I said, yeah, probably so. Most people, if that. And I said, but listen to this. And she said, okay, what? I said, the Lord is good. She, Amen. I said, a stronghold in the days of distress. She said, amen. I said, and he knows those who take refuge in him. And she said, ooh, those who take refuge. I said, there you go. You heard the Spirit said the same thing to you that the Spirit said to me when I read that. Out of all that verse... I heard those who take the refuge those who take the personal responsibility of being doers of the word and so as any good uh, Christian really I was gonna say preacher but Christian should do when one verse spoke to me I read the entire book well, it was too hard to preach this morning. That was a rough message, so I figured I better put that one on the back burner. So I looked at the cross-references of verse 7. Well, one of the cross-references of verse 7 is Psalms 1, verse 6. And so I read that, and then the Lord showed me Psalms 1, verses 1 through 6. The introduction to Psalms 1. And this is where most of this morning's message is coming from. But it all started in Nahum 1, verse 7. That's the reason I shared it with you. He knows those who take refuge in him. Now let's look at Psalms 1. Psalms 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the paths of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scoffers but his delight, the blessed man's delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates both day and night. He will be the blessed The blessed will be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf will not wither. And whatever he does will prosper. And then it takes an immediate turn. Verse 4. The ungodly are not so, but they are like chaff, chaff, whichever way you want to say it, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. Nahum 1, 7 He is good, and he is a refuge in the days of distress, and he knows those who take refuge in him. Psalms 1-6, he knows the way of the righteous. And so who are the ones who take refuge in him? The righteous. The righteous. Here in Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, there is a distinction made between two people, the blessed and the ungodly. Some translations call them the wicked. Ungodly seems a little nicer than wicked, so I'll use the word ungodly to be a little nice. But there's there's two distinctions. And, And in verse 4, there is a phrase that I want to talk to you about this morning are not so. What we have going on in much of the quote-unquote church today are the ungodly, a.k.a. wicked, within the congregation who live according to their own plans and desires, but they spend their life looking for verses 1 through 3 to be evident in their life. The Word of God plainly says, I'm sorry, honey, but that ain't happening. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed are the ones who walk not in the counsel of the world. When we trust, I'm trying to be careful because I never want to set out to offend anything. I don't. But there's truth. When we listen more to self-help books than we do the Word of God. When we can get more out of some business leadership guru than we can through Holy Ghost preaching of the Word of God. When we like the way the world is handling situations. That's what we see happening in the 2023 church is we see how the world has made way for sin and how we include everybody and come as you are has been perverted to come and do life as you want to continue to do it and serve God ever how you feel like you need to serve him and you just do you and you make you happy and you follow the desires of your heart and God's going to give you the desires of your heart and it's you, 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 but you just show up on Sunday morning and you wear a cross around your neck and somehow you're supposed to be the righteousness of God who's making your way unto glory. The Bible don't teach that. The Word of God doesn't teach this. No, He says stop listening to the world. Quite frankly, I don't care what the politician has to say. Quite frankly, I don't care who Dr. So-and-so over the educational thing has to say. I don't care what the the hospitals are telling me we ought to be doing in the church. I don't care what psychologists and psychiatrists tell me we ought to be doing in the church. I don't care. There are five offices of ministry. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. I've been researching universities to go back and get a PhD. Why? I don't feel like I'll be better. It's just a lifelong goal. Self. won't even try to sanctify it. I want one. I think I'm smart enough to do it, and I want to prove I can. So I was looking at some. There's three or four PhDs out there in council. I thought this could be good. And as I dug into it, I'm like, no, I don't need a doctorate in humanism because humanism is in opposition to the Word of God. Humanism says that in you there is good, but because of all the tragedy that other people had done to you, you have found yourself where you are, and so we got to dig through your tragedy to find the good in you. The word of God says you are putrid rags. That you are unworthy and foul. And outside of the blood of Jesus, you will head to an eternal hell. So the only good in you I can mine out is to pump you full of the Holy Ghost. And allow the presence of God to ooze out of you. And allow the presence of God to sanctify. God gives us natural abilities and talents. Some people are better speakers than others. Some people can build stuff. Other people can't. Some people can look at a a piece of art and see the beauty in it. Other people see a bunch of splatters. You know, there's different things. And God can take those abilities and use them for different things because none of us are the same. God didn't create us that way. He don't want us to be that way. He wants us to be eyes and ears and mouths and nose, and somebody's got to be the tooth. Somebody's got to be the ugly pinky toe. Somebody, you know, I mean, it's just got to ha- That's my job. That, that's who I am in the kingdom of God. I am that crooked pinky toe. I have taken on that role. That's my job. So now... I had a preacher friend here a month or two ago and he is a preacher friend he asked me he says um, how much counsel do you do I said I counsel whoever will come to my office and want it he says well, what's your degree in I said the Bible he says are you licensed in your state mm, I mean I, I, I hold credentials as a minister of the gospel well, no, like are you a licensed counselor with a counselor's degree? I'm not telling you don't get a counselor's degree. I'm telling you this is a problem. When the pastor begins to say, oh, well, anybody who comes to me with a problem outside of this, I outsource every bit of it. I send them to Texarkana. I'm sorry. Since when is the presence of God not the answer to everything? The problem is, is in the presence of God, he convicts us and tells us to repent. And somebody else is telling me how good I am, and it's everybody else's fault that I got problems. That's why we like to listen to that and not the presence of God who says you need to clean your life up. You got some things out of order. You're more concerned about yourself. You're self centered. Blessed are the ones who walk not in that counsel. Yeah. Blessed are the ones who don't stand in the paths of sinners. That's right. I don't care what title they have. If they are living lives in opposition to the word of God, we as believers cannot stand with them. Yeah. Spirit of religion. Spirit of self-righteousness being put under law and not walking in the grace of God that very much abounds over all sin. Does God want us to be modest? Yes, he does. Does God want men to look like men and women to look like women? Yes, he does. But church, the devil is on the prowl. He's doing what the Word says he does. He's seeking whom he may devour, and I'm trying to keep you from being his lunch know that every word that's coming out of my mouth is is really bathed in grace and it is seasoned with a whole lot of love. I believe that the people of this church can walk in an anointing that has not been seen in this region before. I believe it. I believe that God is going to do something through people who will join together by faith in the name of Jesus. Not in the name of Cornerstone, not in the name of the Assemblies of God. I'm just being honest with you. We got to look beyond such superficial things and realize that we belong to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God meets in a lot of different buildings that looks a lot of different ways. Some of them are big like ours. Some of them are small. Some of them's living rooms. Some of them's dining tables. Huh? Some of them's the back of a big rig, huh? They look different. But what should be common in all of them is that the word of God is being studied. That prayer for one another and to the Heavenly Father is taking place. That fellowship and breaking of bread, and that we are doing everything. This is mm, good mercy. Uh, church, we We've got to be doers. Doers of the word. I don't know if it's because my phone heard me talking to Allie about my message. We don't do that, but we were in Hawaii, and we really wasn't talking about my message, but we were having Bible discussions, and I was talking about being a doer of the Word. And on Facebook, because it reads, you know, it's listening to me, and there was a meme that popped up, and there was this lady who had planted a, a plant, and she was knelt down praying, but the plant was wilted. And then there was a lady next to her who had planted a plant, And it had grown and had tomatoes on it, but that lady had her hair tied back. She had a rake in her hand and a water hose in the other hand and was like saying, thank you, Jesus. And the picture was, faith without works is dead. So they both planted a plant in faith. But one stood there and says, Oh, God, grow it. 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 Why is it dying? God, but there's a water hose and a rake and fertilizer right there, but she ain't doing nothing. And the other lady puts some work to, I have faith that God told me to plant this tomato plant. God has provided me a water with water hose, and he has provided the way to till the sand and dirt with this rake. I have fertilizer. So thank you, God, for your provision and I have faith that you are going to see me through growing, but she had to do something. That's the whole heart in Nahum 1-7. And he knows those who take refuge. The thing is, God is a refuge to everybody. The problem is some folks won't take refuge in him. That's the problem. We take refuge in the doctor. We take refuge in the prescription. We take refuge in alcohol, illicit relationships, drugs, pornography. We take take refuge in other things. If you take refuge in Jesus, he'll break the rest of that off of you. I don't need a seven step, 12 step, 30 step program. I need one step. Jesus! He's the answer. We've Jesus to Jesus clean out of the church. I'm sorry. I don't know where all the. I do know where it's coming from. I ain't apologizing. I know where it's coming from. God's fed up. And everybody wants their ears tickled. But ain't nobody getting no ears tickled until we become a people who repent and start doing the Word. And if we are repentive people who are doing the Word, then the fruits of the Spirit will be evident in our life. Well, they ain't in my life. Then you need to repent and become doing the Word. What are you saying? I'm saying you need to repent and be doers of the Word. Why well, are you telling me? Yeah, I am telling you that. If the fruits of the spirit are not evident in your life, you are not walking in the spirit. Well, it's where I've been. Well, then you ain't never been in the spirit and you need to repent. And put yourself in the presence of God. I'm not telling you things are going to be perfect. I'm not telling you there won't be hardships. I'm not telling you there won't be hard days. Word of God don't teach that. But he teaches that he's good. And it is at our protection. And if we'll take refuge in Him, He'll see us through. I hadn't got to the third don't do yet. Ain't even got to the do do's yet. <laughs> I got to break it up a little bit. I want you to know that I ain't mad and God loves you. And nor do they sit in the seat of the scoffers. Scoffers is not really a word that we use today. And so I wanted to look it up and make sure I had a right understanding of what a scoffer was. Scoffer was one who will literally snarl with their face. And who denounces truth. So in one who denounces truth, I had to look up some better examples because that's too broad for me. And to put it plainly, a denouncer is someone who will say, yeah, but. That's a denouncer. Yeah, but. No. I'm st- I, I know, but. The truth is the truth even in your situation. It's not the truth just in my situation, but you got something special going on. No, it's the truth in my situation. It's the truth in yours and yours and yours and so on and so forth. And It's the truth. See, facts change. Truth does not. So the blessed, the righteous, they don't sit around people who say, yeah, but. Yeah, That's what the Bible says. Blessed are those who will not walk in the counsel of the world who will not stand in the path of sinners and who will not sit around Yah butters. That is the blessed. And those who are blessed will be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season. Its leaves will not wither. And whatever he or she does, will prosper. I want to walk through this verse. Number one, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Of course, we know the rivers of the living water is the life source of the Spirit of God. I'm not going to teach on all of that for a moment, but I want to paint some pictures for you. Of course, we just got back from vacation. You all know we went to Hawaii. I'm not saying that to brag. I can't afford to go either. Praise the Lord. My in-laws had the change to pay for it glory and things that we plant on our porches as potted plants that we try real hard to keep alive those things are growing in the ditch 12 foot tall over there your your ivies that you've got in your kitchen window they had them over there but they was growing up the side of a tree that was six stories tall and that vine went all the way up and down it several times, and its leaves was this big around, and I'm not exaggerating. I don't know what you call them. I was telling Mary and them about this this morning. You know those? Uh, uh, we use them around here in the fall time for decoration. They they look like they're on a cornstalk, and they got like red leaves on them. You know what I'm talking about? What anybody to know what that plant's called? Well, none of us do. But that one, those things grow like pine trees over there. What are you telling me? I'm telling you, when the situation is right, something that we think is a little household plant that fits in a pot that's 20 inches round, can grow 50 feet tall and as big around as this platform, because they're in the right place at the right time. Their atmosphere is set for growth. The the humidity is right. The temperature year-round is right. The ground nutrients is right. The water source is right. And because of everything being right, the household ivy that we barely keep alive is growing and flourishing that you could literally take shade under one leaf of an ivy. So if we as the blessed, as the redeemed, are to be like trees planted by a river of water then we should be not little wimpy starving for a drink of water houseplant we shouldn't fit in a pot for decoration around thanksgiving we ought to stand firm like a pine tree we ought not be a little ivy that your kids plant in a coffee cup and set in the windowsill but should be big enough and flourishing enough, somebody can take refuge under one leaf of the entire vine. Carry on here. That brings forth its fruit in season. When you are in the presence of God, he will make plain to you your season. Problem in the church is a lot of people are in a lot of different seasons, but we're all trying to operate as we are in one season Somebody's mad at sister so-and-so because she's just reaping her harvest. Well, she's in harvest season If you would quit being worried about everybody else and worried about what you're supposed to be doing, you would realize you're in planting season and you need to be planting some seeds and rejoicing that sister so-and-so is in her harvest season. I don't like preparation season no more than anybody else, but it is a season, and sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it ain't nothing but day after day of plowing and throwing a rock, plowing and throwing a rock, busting up rock plowing digging toiling come on we've all grown a garden or something around here preparation is not fun I've taken what used to be a thicket and cut the trees down and dig up the uh, root clods and then till it in and turn it into a garden and you know that's a pretty garden site. yeah used to be a thicket you wasn't around When you just have to take chainsaws to root clods. When you having to rent track hoes to dig them out. But the thing is, is we get hung up in our preparation. I'm just going to preach to Brother Russell. Because see, Brother Russell, if you're in your preparation season and I'm in my harvest season and you're mad because I'm in my harvest season and you're not preparing in your preparation season, then you can't plant in your planting season, and then you can't maintain in your maintaining season, and so you'll never have a harvest season because you missed it in preparation season. And we're mad at those who are in the middle of their harvest season, but what it is is you didn't see them in the midst of their preparation season, in the midst of their planting season, in the midst of their maintaining season, and now they're walking in their harvest season. And don't be mad at them. Rejoice with them and partake of the fruit that they're bearing in their harvest season because the fruit they're bearing in their harvest season might provide the seed for your planting season. Huh? That's how this thing works. But we don't know what season we're in because we're worried about everything else. There are four seasons, and you're in one of them. You are either in your preparation season which is the hardest. You're in your planting season. It can be fun, but it's still work. Then there's maintaining. Maintaining can get boring. You know what I mean? It it really can. It's like, all right. I mean, it was cool to have this dirt and then I planted little seeds and now I have plants, that's cool. Plucking grass. And making sure the fertilizer is applied, keeping the seven dust or whatever on it so the bugs don't eat it. That's boring. It's tedious. But if you don't do that, if you do stumble into a harvest season, your fruit's gonna have a blight. It won't be nearly as bountiful, it'll be dwarfed in size. And this is the analogy the Lord gave me to help me through this. I'm going to share it with you because I think some can appreciate it, some won't. Those of you who won't, just forget I said it. You know what they make fertilizer out of? Sometimes you got to go through a lot of crap to have your stuff well fertilized. Just plug your nose and deal with the crap. Harvest is coming. Harvest is coming. Know that the crap is going to be the very nutrients that bring forth. The Bountiful Harvest. And I will rejoice. And I will rejoice. And be glad. Because it stinks. And they're on my nerves. But it's bringing about a harvest. Be glad. Hmm. But hear me, because I said it already, but I want you to hear it again, and I'm closing. Not because I'm done, just because I'm closing. If you miss preparation, really, if you miss any of the three, preparation, planting, or maintaining, they affect your harvest. And your harvest will affect the preparation and planting and maintenance of the next harvest, because if you didn't store up seed from this harvest, you don't have seed for the next harvest. The next. That's right? reason we teach: don't eat, don't eat your seed. Sometimes our bellies get to growling, and we'll eat the seed that belonged to God, and then we don't have anything to plant. For the harvest that God has planned for us, He knows those who take refuge. He knows the way of the righteous. And so, this morning, know that if you are the righteous, that if you've taken refuge in Him, know that He knows you. And if He knows you, He's ordering your steps. And he has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. Let me read this in closing. Jeremiah 33, 11. The voice of joy and the voice of gladness and the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of all those who shall say, Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good. And for his mercy endures forever. And to those who bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as at the first, says the Lord. Who is it that the Lord knows? Those who take refuge in him. And who is it that he restores? The one that brings the sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice means it's not easy. Means if we are needing the restoration of the Lord, then we must come before Him with a sacrifice of praise and worship Him even when we don't feel because that is our seed for the harvest of peace, joy, and gladness. This morning, I want us to spend a few moments. Just play us some music. I won't call the worship team back up. I, I don't want to belabor. I don't want to hold you. But church, listen. All joking and levity aside. God does have a plan for this church. He does. And there's room for everybody in this sanctuary to be here. There's room for more to come. But there is also some grit that is much needed to get to where God has us going. A couple years ago in a leadership thing I went to for pastors says church leadership has has to must always 100% of the time be approachable and unoffendable that as church leadership we don't have i don't have the opportunity i don't have the privilege of being offended i don't have the privilege of shying away or being snarled up and scowled and unapproachable. I have to look much like Jesus. Whosoever will, let them come unto me. When I want them or not, with a smile on my face, and oftentimes when you hug people, they insert a dagger before they let go. And you know what you have to do with that? You have to say, bless them, Lord. Remove this from me. And you carry on. And if that's the truth for church leadership, it's beneficial for everybody in the house. Because if we can walk in the presence of God, He can empower us to forgive. He can empower us to walk in love, to walk in grace, to walk in mercy. But also, we need to understand that we have a responsibility to press in when it gets hard. Jason, can I share? A... Okay. Yesterday, we went over to see Jason for just a moment and pray with him. I met Shannon in the road. <laughs> she was headed to work. I was like, oh, we missed her. And so he said something to me that just really, it made me smile inside out. He said, you know, if this is the cup that God calls me to bear and this is what takes me out, He says, I don't want to be sickly and of no use. He says, I want to feel good enough to help somebody on my way out. You know what I'm, that is a peace that passes all understanding that's birthed in the throne room of God. You know what? I believe my God is able. But if for some reason he don't, I just want to go out by giving the devil a black eye. Huh? And so, you know, amen. Give God praise. When he said that, I'm like, yes. (laughs) Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Because that is, that's it, folks. And sometimes we get those horrible reports that we don't want to hear. Sometimes life don't make sense. But he is God. He is good. And he is my strong tower. And he knows those who take refuge. Amen. And so this morning if you want to come to the front, you can. If you want to kneel where you are, sit where you are. I want us just to take a couple of minutes and take refuge that's what I want us to do this morning is to repent and to give the Holy Spirit opportunity to minister to us so we can take refuge in our strong tower amen Hallelujah. thank you so much again for taking time to listen to a message from the sanctuary of Cornerstone Assemblies of God we do this through the help of our listeners and friends in the community if you would like to donate who are our broadcast, you can go to cornerstoneatlanta.tv and give as the Lord would lead you. But again, I, Pastor Richard Wade of Cornerstone Assemblies of God, just say thank you for taking time and I pray the Lord make this real to you.
1: i
2: see. You soon. Oh